Hey, this is Jim Larrabee. I'm the lead pastor here at First Christian Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer is that the words you hear encourage you, that they challenge you, that they build your faith and draw you closer to Jesus. So, enjoy. Hey, morning church. It finally feels like fall slash winter around here. How you guys doing? You enjoying it? Some of you are. Some of you just love summer so much that you're mad at us that love fall and our sweaters. So anyway, uh, we are glad you guys are here, whether you love fall, spring, winter, or summer, uh, being a part of God's house, being a part of what's going on. We hope you encounter him. Jesus is here ready to meet us, uh, to minister to us, to speak to us, to love us. And that's what our prayer has been all morning long. Now, we're going to be diving into uh, Psalms 91 today. So if you've got your Bibles, your scriptures, uh, your Bible apps, you can go there. That's where you're going to find where we're at. Just open your Bible to the middle, and that'll probably be Psalms. And so you can find Psalm 91 at that moment. But before we dive into that, two things. One, a shout out to that Belong class. It's kind of like a membership class. I think the old school name for it is membership class. But what we call it is a Belong class, a chance for you to kind of know what we believe, know a little bit of our history, and we do a class in the morning. And then the next Sunday, we do a dinner that evening where you hang out with the pastoral staff and we get to hear your story a little bit and a little more about who we are. So it's a good opportunity to do that. So if you're looking for a way to get deeper connected uh, to our church, that's a great class to do. Email us or register online and be a part of that. It's incredible. And, and Silvino. Silvino, yeah, we got a baptism today, and I am stoked and excited. I got a chance to, to talk to Silvino just a little bit. Uh, Pastor Don did uh, your interview, but basically a guy had a religion background, man. Like, you you came from religion. You you grew up in some of that stuff, checking the boxes, doing all those things. But at, at one point, he recognized that religion wasn't going to cut it. it. It wasn't going to do anything. It wasn't going to transform you. So he kind of just gave up, gave up on that whole journey, just thought, hey, church, church is for suckers, and that's that's, you know, that's kind of the whole deal, right? Uh, and then God brought him to FCC. It wasn't going to check us out or anything. I think there's some relationship story there. So kudos. So, you know, you got to, you came and checked us out and lo and behold, had an encounter with Jesus Christ, recognized that it was relationship and not religion that we need. And God moved on his heart. He's a Christian Christ follower. So I'm looking forward to doing his baptism, which is awesome. Well, the, the kind of the cool part of the story is I think he was telling me that we, he had a little bit of a dream about, about baptism. He's like, maybe I should do that. And the very next Sunday, I preached on that whole baptism uh, communion thing. And so he's like, it, it's time, which I agree. That message was just for you, bro. Uh, so I agree. It's time. We're going to do this at the, at the end of the message. And I'm looking forward to it. So anyway, I love baptisms. They're awesome and amazing. All right. Have you, that should give you enough time to find Psalms 91. If not, you are checking football scores. So anyway, get there. Psalms 91, that's where we're going to be today in this series that we're calling Soundtrack of the Soul. Now, Psalms 91 is different. I've been trying to bring you different psalms. It's not the the typical go-tos that we usually do in a psalm series, but giving you some things that are a little bit different. And Psalms 91 is one of those different psalms. It's not one you hear people talk about a lot. And it's different for two reasons. The first reason is because of who wrote it. Now, most of the time when I say who wrote a psalm, you would probably say 
David. Yeah, that's a very sad David, but David, right? Uh, absolutely. If, if you, you know, if someone asked you that question, 50% of the time you'd be right because David wrote about 50% of the Psalms. But a lot of these other Psalms that we see were written by other people, other, other prophets, other folks, some, some that we don't even know, but they were so moved in their journey that they wrote a Psalm that God says, yes, that is truth. That is scripture. And he grabbed it and he put it in his word. Well, today's Psalms, Psalms 91, was written by a guy you're going to know, a guy named Moses. In fact, it's one of the oldest Psalms. Moses, that, you know, that you, you got this vision of that old school prophet beard, let my people go, was also a worshiper. He, was, he also loved worshiping who God is, and he's penned a couple of these Psalms. And so it's different because it was written by Moses, but it's different for another reason. Most of the Psalms that we read are just kind of standalones, right? Like I could pull up Psalms 23 and you're like, I know exactly what that Psalm is because it stands alone. Psalm 19, Psalms 148. Most of the Psalms you just pull out and you read and, and the other Psalms around it don't matter. They can stand alone. Well, Psalms 91 doesn't stand alone. Psalms 91 is actually a sequel. You know, you watch the first Fast and the Furious, and lo and behold, they made 27 more of those things. And, and now it's just like, we can't go any faster or be any more furious. Watch this movie. You know, that whole deal with that. Well, well Psalms 91 is the sequel. It is, a, it is a second psalm written by Moses, which means the first psalm that Moses wrote would be Psalms 90. So you look at Psalms 90 and Psalms 91, and they go together. Most believe they were written at almost the same time. Now, that's going to be important when I explain the story to you of why these two psalms were written by Moses to begin with. Because most of the time when we think of someone writing a psalm, we think of someone like celebrating an aspect of God. Like if I were to tell you to write a psalm, uh, Silvino would probably write about God's faithfulness and God's grace and God's mercy. And he'd probably have a little rap in there or something like that, which would be amazing and incredible. But we think about, you know, a psalm in, in, the, in the connection of a topic, but Moses doesn't write Psalm 90 and Psalm 91 because of a certain topic. He's not just going to be talking about a certain aspect of God. Moses writes Psalm 90 and Psalm 91 because they were connected to an event, a very significant, huge event that happens in the life of Moses. So let me tell you the story because it'll make these uh, Psalms really kind of, I think, settle in your heart and your soul and be a big encouragement to you. So here's the backstory. Israel had just been freed from Egypt. We, we've been talking a little bit about this through some of the different stories we've been telling. So Israel's coming out and Moses is leading them, right? Moses is the leader. Hey, let's do this. You know, he stood against Pharaoh. They crossed the Red Sea. They went to Mount Sinai. They got the Ten Commandments. And now they were trekking to the Promised Land. You're like, hey, this is a two-week journey. This, this is all this ever should have taken, two weeks to do all of this. And so here they are. You know, They do this thing, and they arrive at the Promised Land. And, and all they have to do is go in and, and just set up and take it over, and they're good to go. God says, that's what I want you to do. I gave this land to Abraham, your forefathers. Now it's time for you to go back and resettle it. And so Israel is standing there, but before they go into the promised land, they decide to send in 12 spies, right? Hey, let's check it out. Let's, let's, let's do some reconnaissance. Let's pull some, some Michigan and send people to both sides of the stadium to watch this whole thing. And so, you know, they're doing this deal. Shout out to my college football fans that understood that. Um, so they send in these 12 spies. 
And the 12 spies come back after, after about a week or so of being gone, and they're like, we have to give you our report. And here's the report. First, the land is amazing. You want to talk about God blessing this land. It flows with milk and honey, and it is incredible. You wouldn't want to ever live in a better place. It's like, it's like Hawaii on steroids. I mean, it, it, it is awesome. Two of the spies said, yes, it absolutely is awesome, and we need to go take it. They said, this is what God said. This is what we need to do. These two spies are like, let's head in right now, today, right now. Let's go take the land that God has given us. 10,000 Jesus points to anyone that knows one of the two of those spies. Caleb and Joshua, good job. You can spend those points in heaven. Uh, so just let Jesus know you got him at FCC and uh, you'll be good to go. Uh, so yeah, Joshua and Caleb, they were, the, they were the first two spies that said, let's do this. Well, the other spies, 10 of them, they saw the milk and honey. They saw the land was great. They saw all that, but they were like, we can't do this. Our God is not big enough. You know, that there are giants in the land and, and, and the people are too strong and the cities are too fortified. We, we cannot go in there. We can't do it. And so these 10 spies convince all of Israel that they can't do this. And Israel rises up in rebellion. Let me read this to you. This is out of Numbers chapter 14, verse 2. It says this. And then all the people of Israel, after hearing these 10 spies and, and believing them and listening to them, grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation, the whole group of people said to those guys, would that we have died in the land of Egypt or that we would have died in the wilderness why is the Lord bringing us to this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones are going to become victims. They're going to become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And then they said to one another, let us choose someone else to lead us back to Egypt. And you read a little bit more of the story. And in verse 10, it gets really intense. Uh, then they, all the people, attempted to stone them. Moses, Aaron, Joshua, Caleb. They're going to kill these guys with stones. And pretty, pretty intense rebellion going on here, right? And pretty intense stuff. And, and if not for God stepping in saying, absolutely not, I am going to step in and, and protect my people and my leaders. Without that, these guys would have train wrecked Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb. But then God speaks to the, to the Israelites and he says this. He says, hey, listen, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you what you're asking for. It's always a little bit dangerous when God gives us what we're asking for. And so God does. He says, here's what I'm going to do. You don't want to go into the promised land. You don't want to go into Egypt. You don't want to do these things. Then here's what I need. I'm going to send you into the wilderness. You wanted to die in the wilderness? I can do that. And so he's going to send them 40 years of wandering in the wilderness all around everything that is going on. 40 years of wandering there. You're going to die off and then I'm going to give the land to your children. And so that's, that's, that's the, the consequence. That's the weight that was placed on these guys in this moment. So think about Moses. Moses has just heard this. He's just heard what's going on. They're not going to be able to go into the promised land. The people are, 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 are weeping and, and gnashing of teeth and everything else. They're so broken by their own consequences. But God said, no, this is what you want. I'll give it to you. And so Moses is, is, is in this moment when he's just feeling all of it, as heavy as you can get. And instead of uh, like a two-week journey of leading these people and going to the promised land and just resting and relaxing for the rest of his life with a sweet little house you know, in the middle of nowhere uh, where he can just enjoy life, 
These same people that just a few hours before wanted to stone him to death, he's now got a lead for 40 years in the wilderness. Talk about not liking your job. This is what he's going to have to do. He's going to have to lead these people around. He's going to have to take care of them for the next 40 years. So you can imagine what Moses is feeling. Actually, you don't have to imagine. He wrote it down. Psalms 90. Psalms 90 is Moses's frustration. When he just pours out what he's feeling in his heart, I just want to read you just a little bit of this to kind of give you a flavor. You can, you can, you can absolutely see what's going on. Moses is frustrated. He's angry at the people. He's a little frustrated and angry at God. And this is what he says in Psalms 90 verse nine. For all our days pass away under your wrath. And, and we bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70. Even, even if we had strength, maybe we make it to 80, but the span is filled with toil and trouble. And soon they're gone and they just fly by. Why even, why even be alive right now? Verse 11, and who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to those who fear you? So teach us, teach us to number our days. We're going to have 40 years of this journey. Teach us to number our days that we may gain some wisdom out of this. Verse 13, return, O Lord, how long? Have, please, have pity on your servants. So what is Moses doing right here? He's, he's just absolutely being honest. He's dumping out his frustration. And, and by the way, Moses did everything right. Moses led the people out of Egypt. Moses, Moses took the Ten Commandments and gave them to the people. Moses led them to the promised land. And yet Moses, in doing everything right, is still personally going to suffer the consequences of other people's bad decisions. There's a Hebrew word for that. It's called sabak, and it means dung. That's, that's what he's feeling right now. He's like, man, this is sabak. This is bad. This is not good. This is not cool. Why am I experiencing this? He is feeling it. And so he pours that out into Psalms 90. And he gets it all out and he writes it. It's there, the frustration. And I can imagine him. I can imagine him taking a deep breath after he writes Psalms 90. And he turns and he writes Psalms 91. Psalms 90 is his feelings. And and Moses recognizes he can't be led by feelings. He can't be, he can't be, he can't be drawn around by feelings because man, feelings will, will fail you. It, they will lead you in the wrong direction. And he says, man, what I need is to be led by truth. And so he pins Psalms 91, which is truth. He says, I need to write down some truth that I know about God that's going to take me through the adversity of the next 40 years. And so then in that context, on that same evening that he writes Psalm 90, he pins the words of Psalms 91. And let me just read them to you. It says this, and he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will abide in the shadow of the almighty. And I will say to the Lord, you are my refuge. I will say to the Lord, you are my fortress. You are my God. And it is you that I trust for he he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and he will deliver you from deadly pestilence. And he, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings, you will find refuge and he, his faithfulness, it will be a shield and it will be a buckler to me and my life. 
ton of truth here, right, for, for everyday life, but I especially believe a ton of truth for when we face adversity, just like Moses is facing 40 years in the desert. You want some truth for walking 40 years in your desert for the adversity you face and, and the struggle in life? Well, listen to what Moses had to say. First and foremost, just pay attention to where Moses ran. Sometimes when we face adversity, we, we do the craziest thing in the world. We run away from God. Man, this is crazy. This stuff, this is hard. I don't, I, I, I can't do this. And we, and we run away from the one who could help us walk through all of it. But praise God, Moses runs to his father. In fact, that's what, that's what some of these words are that we hear. He speaks of, of, of living in God's shelter. He speaks of, of living in God's shadow. Th- those are words of closeness. Moses turns and he says, there's only one place I can go. There's only one direction I can go. There's only one path I can walk. And that is the path that leads me right to God's shelter, to a shadow, standing right next to my father. Going to have to do this journey. I'm going to do it with him. And he gives us these two words that I think are so powerful. First, he says, shelter. He says, God, you're, you're going to be my shelter. You ever watch one of those reality shows where they stick them on an island and they have to survive or out in the wilderness or those kind of things? My wife and I, we love to watch alone. You know, they put a pocket knife and a bag of M&Ms and they have to survive in Alaska for as long as they can, right? One of the first things they tell them to do is you got to build a shelter, man. You, you, you got to build a shelter from the elements, the bears, the lions, the tigers, all that stuff that I'm sure live in Alaska. You got to do that, right? Because that's your protection. But when you watch this show, you recognize it's not just a physical protection. The, the, I mean, these big dudes, they put on the show, dude, I can live in Alaska all day long, man. I don't need nothing. Man, about 11 o'clock at night, they're like crying like, like little babies on the shore. Going, I think I need to be picked up. I heard something and it's scary. And I'm just, can you come? I've eaten all my M&Ms. You know, the whole deal, right? There's, but once you get a shelter, once you build a shelter, you're okay. You know, there's some safety in that. There's some emotional safety. And that is what Moses is speaking to. He's like, man, God, you are my shelter. Not only physically will you protect me on this journey of 40 years and everywhere that I'm going, but you're going to protect me emotionally. As I know that you've got your arms around me, I will understand that you will keep me. You will keep me in and you will keep the crazy out. <laughs> And he, and he finds rest in that. He finds peace in that. He's like, I, I, I can do the next 40 years because I know you're going to be my shelter. But he goes on to say, not only can I do the next 40 years because you're going to be my shelter, but I can do the next 40 years because you're going to be my shadow. An odd word. God, you know, we want God to be a shadow. But if you lived in the Middle East, this makes total sense. When you walk through a desert in the Middle East, they say some of the temperatures can get up to, what, 120 degrees or a Tuesday in Bakersfield, whichever one you need to, like, like figure that out and, and how hot it can get, right? And so what, what you look for if you are tracking through a desert is you're looking for shade. You're looking for anything bigger than you so that you can have some shade because the sun will cook and kill you. And Moses is saying, hey, God, I, I know where my shade is. I know the shadow that I need. I need to be walking close enough to you so that you can shade me. You can shadow me from everything else that wants to cook me. I can stand in the shadow of your presence. I can walk close to you and be protected from the elements and everything that is going on around me. 
I will add this about shadow. I don't know if, I don't know if Moses was thinking this, but when I think shadow, I think of the, the times as a little kid that I've been scared and, uh, you know, and, and I actually had a lot of brothers and sisters and everything else. And most of them were bigger than me. I'm the smallest of the Larrabee clan. And so when something would happen and I would get terrified, what I would do is I would totally run behind them, my sister. You know, I should run by my, my, you know, my, my cousin, my dad, my brother, you know, and there's that moment of you just hiding from them and like, yeah, yeah. And then you can shout at whoever was scaring you. Yeah, yeah. You can't mess with me. And then you, and then you hide behind this person. That's, that's totally Moses. He's like, Hey, listen, you want to understand standing in the shadow of God, then, then I'm not the one on the front line that I can run. And no matter who's bullying me, who's messing with me, who's pushing against me, I can run and hide behind God and say, God, you got this. It is your strength and it is your courage and it is your might that I stand behind. I am in his shadow. I think it's a beautiful picture that Moses is bringing all this together, talking about standing in the shelter of God, talking about standing in the shadow of God, simply saying, God, you are the one I'm hiding behind. You are the one I need. And then he goes on to add this beautiful phrase. uh, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress now, that, that may seem like a, kind of a little presumptuous. Like if I were walking around and simply saying, oh, that's, that's my Jordan, that's my Josh, you know, that's, that's my Don, you'd be like, Jim, you are so weird. <laughs> you know, why, why do you talk to your pastors that way? Because there's an oddness there. That, that's like too much closeness. You'd be like, boundaries, bro. You know, how you, this, that's just too much. But if I were to say, hey, that's my wife. Or if I had to say, hey, that's my kids, you would go, that's absolutely appropriate. And you should talk that way. What is the difference? The difference is simply this. The intimacy and the closeness is real. And it, it is legitimate. It is supposed to be there. And that's what Moses is doing in this moment. He, he's not being presumptuous that that is his God and his fortress and his refuge and he owns God. He is simply saying that the closeness is real. The intimacy is real. Even, even though this, even though I'm going to walk through these 40 years in the desert, God, I want you to understand where my heart is at. My heart is with you and nothing has broken this. God, my circumstances do not dictate my walk with you. I am yours. You're mine. No matter what, the closeness is real. It's a beautiful thing that Moses puts out there. And so Psalms 91 is so good, so good in the middle of all this, all this, uh, this wrestle that Moses is facing and going through. And then verse four is also a beautiful picture, right? He, he begins to talk to God about God in discovery channel terms. He uses this image of a, of, of a mother bird, right, that covers her chicks. He will, he will cover you with his feathers. He will, he will cover you with his wings. And, and most of us have seen that on TV if we haven't seen it in person. But if you haven't ever seen it, there's this thing where a mother bird, when she has a bunch of little chicks around her, if something happens or gets crazy or there's a circumstance or situation that's challenging, all those little birds will run to the mother and she'll flop out her wings and she will pull them under her as protection and as instinct. I've never seen a Discovery Channel episode where one mother bird flew over to the other mother bird and said, your kids are crazy. And you need to learn how to take care of them. And when they are acting like they're acting, I need you to do this. You won't see it. Why? Because it is instinct that those mother birds act that way. 
What is Moses saying? Moses is saying this. He says, I want you to understand something, that it is God's instinct to care for you. It is God's instinct to throw out his arms and to pull you in. God didn't have to figure out how to do this. You didn't come to Christ and God was like, man, I do not know how I'm going to do this one. This one is crazy. It's like, it's like hugging a porcupine. This is not nice at all. No, God, God, by his very instinct and in nature, loves you and cares for you and protects you. And, and Moses is leaning into that instinct. He's saying, God, thank you that you don't have to try to figure this out. You already know and you already do and you already love and you already cover and carry. It is the very instinct of God to be that way toward us, which makes this last statement just so much more real when he says this, God, and your, and your faithfulness, God, your faithfulness, it is my shield. We all know that as Christians, we're called to be faithful. That's a piece of the journey. You hear me talk about it. You know truth, live truth, follow truth. We are called to be faithful. But here's what we also know. Every single one of us, we're going to have our moments when we don't do it right we falter and we fail. In fact, just yesterday, I was at the, I was at the Hancock football game, you know, I was sitting there, I was cheering with my wife and everything else. And I remember sitting in the stands and I just, just heard one, someone, someone holler out this thing at the ref, Hey ref, you need glasses. And I was so, so shocked when I recognized it was me that had actually said that. <laughs> I was like, well, it was. And Jen's like, just like punch me, dude, you're, you're a pastor, man. Hush it. Don't do it. I was getting all excited. I was getting passionate about the game. She's like, how would you like it? But I shouted out, Hey pastor, you need to get better illustrations. And I said, don't do that. So, so, so we yeah, had this moment, right? But, but as I look back on that, what is that? that? That's me. That's me faltering. That's me failing. That's me not doing it right. Moses gets this. He's like, man, I got 40 years with people I don't like that want to kill me, that, that I, I didn't even want to lead in the first place for two months. Less, less 40 years. My faithfulness will fail. And that's why he's not celebrating his faithfulness right here. In these verses, what is he saying? He says, listen, God, your, your faithfulness will be my shield. It'll be your faithfulness that carries me. It will be God's ability to be faithful to me and who I am and not my ability to hold on tight no matter what, never letting go. And Moses begins to think about this and think about who God is and what God's going to do and how faithful God is, even, even, even in the middle of a, of a journey that's going to last 40 years through the desert. And the faithfulness that, that Moses knows is God's faithfulness to provide. Not, not everything we want. Absolutely not. Because honestly, if I got everything I want, I would be a train wreck. I would. Because I, I want crazy things at times. I want things that aren't good for me. I, I, I want things that, that, that make life easy and, and they're not challenging. And God sometimes tells us, hey, listen, what you need, Jim, is a push. Sometimes what you need is, is, is a challenge. Sometimes what you need is, is me to walk you through the valley or put you through the fire. I don't want a God, I know, but it's what you need. In fact, Philippians 4.19 says this, and my God will supply every need According to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, God's commitment to us, God's commitment to Moses through his faithfulness is to give us, each and every one of us, what we need in this journey. It won't be everything we want, but what it will do, it will produce goodness and his greatness in our heart and our life. 
Moses also goes on as he's talking about faithfulness. I'm sure it comes to his mind that God is faithful in the fact that he does not change. Hebrews 13, 8 says this, Jesus Christ, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings that are always changing and shifting based on culture, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by his grace. I'm going to ask you a question, and I do not want you to point at anyone in the room. Deal? Do you know someone who's moody? Yes. Yeah, so just take care. Some of you are t- terrified right now. I'm not, I, don't, I do not want to give anything away. You email me later who you're sitting beside, and then we'll understand and we'll know. Yeah. So w- w- what, what is that, right? We all know people who are moody. I can be moody, right? You know, happy one minute, and then rubbing, you know, poison oak on, on my wife the next minute. I can totally be doing that. You deserve this. I know you do kind of thing, right? We can, be, we can do that up and down, and that can be so exhausting and so challenging, walking on eggshells, just, just never knowing what is up, down, left, right. No idea. Here's what Moses is saying. God is not that way. These people that I'm leading absolutely are. They were celebrating God one minute and then they were building a golden calf the next. Talk about a shift and a change. And Moses is saying, God is faithful to not change. Jesus absolutely is faithful to not change. He is who he is, always, no ups and downs, left or right. His truth is the same. His grace is constant. His mercy always exists. And his heart for you is always sure and true. And that consistency, I think of everything that Moses is probably thinking through, that consistency, I think probably is what gives him the most peace and rest. Man, that God is just going to walk with me and God's just going to be here for me. And I'm not, I'm not going to get halfway in this journey and God changes mind. I'm not going to get halfway in this thing and God's going to go, man, these people are too hard and too crazy. I'm going to do something else. God's heart remains the same. And the best one I'll give you, and we'll start to land the plane here. The best one I'll give you is this, that he will be faithful to love us. Not some future version of us. That's all cleaned up and ready to go. Sometimes that's our impression, right? I meet people and I'm like, yeah, Jim, I'll, I'll, I'll come to church whenever I'm all cleaned up. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll do this Jesus thing whenever I'm all fixed up. There's no, there's no way God can love this mess right here, right now. My friend, God does not love some future version of us. He loves us first right here where we are. And I don't care how messy you are. Now, once God starts to transform us, we begin to grow in our faith and become who he's called us to be. Absolutely. But if you're waiting until you're good enough to come to Jesus, that's just like waiting until you finally bleed out before you go to the ER. It just does not make any sense whatsoever. And so we are called to understand his love for us. And it's beautiful and it's powerful. And then Moses wraps up here in verse um, 5 of Psalms 91. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day, nor the pestilence or the darkness or the destruction of noonday. That's when the sun was brightest. Because this is God speaking to us through Moses. And he who holds fast to me in love, I will deliver them. I will protect them because they know my name. And when he calls to me, I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble and I will rescue him and honor him. What is this? Moses finishes with his confidence in God. It's like, hey, this, this is my confidence in God. That doesn't matter the terror of the day, the terror of the night, the pestilence, the destruction, anything. I, I am confident in who God is. Now, this does not mean bad things won't happen. 
Moses isn't writing this going, hey, bad things will never happen to me as I follow God because something bad just happened. Moses was like about to walk into the promised land and all these people messed it up. He's got a 40-year journey in the wilderness. He's got a hard season ahead of him. Something bad has already happened. But what Moses is communicating here in this moment, what this means is this. He's saying, listen, you know the best place I can ever be, even if I have to go through this desert, the best place, the most powerful place, the most peaceful place I can be is the center of God's will and in the shadow of the Almighty. And if following God leads you to a mountain, I want you to understand he will give you what you need to climb it. If following God leads you to a valley, he will give you what you need to walk through it. If following God leads you to a truth that just challenges you to the core, like you're reading this, you're like, man, this challenges everything about what I know and I believe and what I want, then understand this. He will give you the strength to live it. Jim, how can you say that? Because of what the Apostle Peter says. He says this in 2 Peter 1, 3, and his divine power and strength and might and grace has granted to us, has given us everything we need pertaining to life, how to do this thing, and to his godliness. So we live not overwhelmed by our circumstance or overrun by worry or, or, or walking through a desert with no help and no hope. We live in the shadow of the Almighty and in the shelter of his presence where there is always peace and always grace and always goodness and what we need to walk the path that is before us. Amen? Amen. That's the truth of Psalms 90 and Psalms 91. Pray for us. Got a baptism to do. We're going to let God do his work in our heart. Father, thank you. Thank you for the truth you've given us. Thank you that, <laughs> that even when we walk through the desert, when these things happen in our life that, that aren't even our fault, that we can depend on your faithfulness, that we can lean into who you are, and just like that, that, that mother bird, that mother hen, you are willing by instinct to cover us and protect us on the journey. If someone hasn't tasted that goodness from you this morning, Father, they don't know you as Savior, as Lord, that let this morning be the morning they surrender to you. I think for the rest of us, let it be a reminder for Christians and Christ followers about who you are in this world. That we can write a Psalms 90 and pour out our frustrations, but we can also write a Psalms 91 and express your faithfulness in our lives. We love you and ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share it with a friend. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. If you'd like to find out more information about giving or to see what's going on in the life of our church, please visit us at fccsantamaria.org. Thanks again for listening and God bless.